Welcome to season three of Arise Esther, a podcast for today's women of faith. I'm your host, Dawn Damon, and I get to speak to some of the most resilient women alive who, like Esther of old, step up with courage to face trials head on and triumph. Now we're here to help you do the same. So turn it up, Esther. This is your moment. Well, we hear a lot today about mindset and how it's connected to our health, our mental health and our physical health. We're going to talk about that today on Arise Esther. But first, my guest, she's been a licensed professional counselor for over 25 years and the co-author of the award-winning book, Loved and Cherished, 100 Devotions for Girls, along with Make Up Your Mind, Unlock Your Thoughts, Transform Your Life, and one more soon to be released, God, I Feel Sad, Bringing Big Emotions to a Bigger God. That's a series, and we can't wait to see that. She's a popular speaker on topics regarding mental health, faith, and parenting, and she's a frequent guest on national televisions and podcasts, including her own, Raising Mentally Healthy Kids. She and her husband, Drew, have been married for over two decades. Would you please welcome my guest today, Michelle Niedert. Hey, Michelle. (laughs) Thank you for coming on. We so appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here because I feel like this topic is just rampant in our country today. People are struggling with their mental health. Uh, The statistics are just growing. Uh, COVID hit hard and did not help. And so I think we've really got to address from a holistic perspective, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, how do we stay mentally healthy? I'm excited about this too. I do a lot on mindset and I could not agree with you more. It is so critically important. And I'm not sure that the whole listening audience understands, you know, what are we talking about when we say mindset? What do you, how do you define it and why is it important to our mental health or how is it connected? Well, I think that's a great question because I think we're getting a lot of information on that topic. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think that's addressed very shallowly. Like, I don't know if that's a word. I may have made that one up, but from a shallow perspective of, you know, a lot of times we think it's just our thoughts and what we're thinking during the day. And that's a part of mindset, but there is a deeper piece of that that sometimes has to be done first. If it's not been done, it's kind of like an onion and you've got to peel those layers off and get to the belief system which was formed pretty young with us. And then it's impacted by our life experiences and our interactions with other people. So first we want to start with what are your core beliefs and do they align up with scripture? And then we look at what are you feeding your brain? Because it's an organ in our bodies. And just like we would work out a muscle or we would learn math facts till they became more natural to us, we want to work on training our brain training our mind to align our thoughts with God's thoughts. And that's going to impact everything in our lives. It's going to impact our mood. It's going to impact, literally, we can see research on how it impacts our bodies. And then it's going to impact our relationships and our behaviors as well. I couldn't agree more because the relationships really take a hit. The impact is very significant if your mindset is out of whack. So let me see if I'm understanding this. So a mindset is not just a a thought or a fleeting 
series of thoughts, but indeed it holds within it, each mindset holds within it some core belief system that's associated with the mindset. Exactly. And when I talk to my staff, I I have a staff of 15 counselors here in the Dallas area. And as I'm training them, and it's so fun, I have some brand new ones, you know, who are just coming out of grad school. Because I think as you're making disciples, this is a way to make disciples of of just beginning to train up Christian counselors, because I'm I'm beginning to realize I'm not going to be here forever. And so it's a way to leave a legacy just like you would with children. And so as I work with them, we talk a lot about trauma, because trauma has been very common in our culture today. And, and it's important we look at that because trauma is what I teach them to begin with. It affects the way we view God, ourselves, and our world. So that's kind of the belief system. What do you believe about God? Is he good? Or does he let bad things happen? Is he use them for good? How does all that work? Especially if we've had trauma in our lives, especially at a young age. And then we get into... What do we believe about ourselves and how do we base our view of ourselves? Do we base it on, you know, the world says we base it on what we do, how we look and who likes us. And then, but the Bible says we base it on how we were created. The fact that we have been valued because of the price that's been paid for us and the fact that we're adopted. So we've got these competing views of how we view ourselves Mm -hmm. and then how we view our world. Is our world a safe place? Is it a hard place? And that a lot is impacted by our circumstances and it's hard. And I don't want to make this too simplistic because it's not. It it is complex. And even how our bodies are feeling, for example, I just, you and I were talking before this began, I had a hip replacement and I just recently had a severe knee injury with the torn meniscus. The pain in my physical body affected my mental and emotional health, health. When I can't, when you can't move and you're in pain, you don't feel as connected to God. It's going to affect your spiritual health. It's going to expect how you feel, how much hope you feel about the world. I started to begin to feel after a while when I couldn't get any relief. Am I going to be disabled at 50 something? Is that going to happen to me? So you begin to question even your future. And Mm -hmm. then you begin to think, God, if you've called me to this work, where are you? that I'm having joint replacement after joint replacement and injury after injury. And this process that I just went through is what I see with clients all the time in my office and women I minister to when I'm speaking and writing. It's that idea that how do we just internally work through what's happening to us externally? You're right. It's really complex. And you you do, though, break it down in your book. And I want to make sure that I get that title right, because I want to talk about you identify 10 mindsets that are really hazardous for us in your book. And it's called Make Up Your Mind, Unlock Your Thoughts, Transform Your Life. So tell us about those mindsets. You know, I, I love my co-author, Denise Pass, started on this journey and then asked me to join her as a professional counselor. And I have a counselor's corner in each chapter um, because she wanted to talk about these things that are going on with our mental health. So we have some that are specifically mental health related, mm-hmm. such as the angry, the angry mindset. We do a lot of work with anger management in our offices, the anxious mindset. Anxiety numbers are higher than they have ever been in our country. And then also the depressive mindset. And I think depression can come on its own. But a lot of times when we are anxious too long and we feel like we can't get that managed and under control, we become hopeless about our anxiety. 
and especially in our adolescent culture, that leads to depression mm-hmm. because when we're constantly hyper aroused, we start to feel very hopeless that this isn't going to change. And so those are three of the mindsets. And then we get into other ones that we've so seen hit recently, like um, the discontented mindset. And, you know, I think this is a real struggle in our culture today. We see prices rising. We see more limitations. A lot of us have almost taken pay cuts without our paychecks changing. And we can become very discontent in that. We can also become anxious in that. And so I think these are real struggles as I talk with women. And then we talk about like the lonely mindset. And then as I talk about all of this, it can lead to that helpless mindset of, is there any way that I can even impact what's going on in my world and my destiny? Yes. That helpless mindset, I think was really prevalent during the COVID as you spoke about, like, we're just powerless. We're just helpless to do anything. And people are struggling with their emotions right now, aren't they? So, so how, what tools are there to help someone to, to get in control maybe of their mindset or, or to think about what they're thinking about? Yeah, I think, I think I want to say first, if your those belief systems aren't aligned, that's something you're going to have to do some deeper work in. So that's not a quick tool. That's a, that's a pain. I always, I'm I'm like selling this, but it's a painful process that leads to real freedom in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one thing I don't want to skip over, but I want to mention, but then I work with a lot of people who have done that work. They know the truth in their heads for sure. Okay. Of course, that 12 inches between our heads and hearts is hard, yep. but they think a lot of them know it in their hearts too. But just like myself, as I dealt with this physical pain, they're waking up day to day struggling. Mm-hmm. And lots of, I know I talked to lots of moms and women whose husbands all of a sudden ended up in their home who became, who were struggling, even though they knew the truth and they had this hope during COVID, all these people are back home together mm-hmm. and there were real struggles. Like you would be like, and I think we're all experiencing this a little bit still like God's got this, I'm okay. And then something hits and we begin to doubt that. Mm-hmm. And that's another mindset we cover is the doubtful mindset. We begin to wonder, does God really have me? Mm-hmm. Because if he does, then what is going on here? This world is so broken. How do I exist in it? And so I think to begin with is that. I think the next thing we need to look at it once we've kind of taken care of that core system is how do we begin to retrain our brains? Because I will tell you this, as I talk with women, we are hard on ourselves and we are mean to ourselves. Oh, we yeah. are nicer to other people than we are to ourselves. Our little brains inside our head are so critical. I caught a thought just, um, I had a client in my office recently and she was just writing something for a homework assignment on a telehealth call. And I was watching her write it. And this is what she said to me. She said, my handwriting's horrible. And I was like, why would you, why would you criticize your handwriting? You're writing down and being intentional about your life. What if you said to yourself, instead of my handwriting's horrible, I'm making progress, right? I'm creating change. I'm being intentional. What sounds more encouraging? What would you want to say to your child? What would you say to a friend? Right. And I think that's something that we need to start in the very beginning of our day. I teach these girls when we did loved and cherished camp, Mm -hmm. like before your feet hit the floor, here's, here's a simple tool, Don. How do you want to feel tomorrow? Ooh, that's a good question. How do you want to feel tomorrow? Yeah, I want to feel joyful. Joyful. Okay. 
What do you need to think first thing in the morning before your feet hit the floor in order to feel joyful in that bed instead of tired and grumpy? Well, I, I think that I have a great life and I have a fresh slate and great things are going to happen for me today. Okay, let's just take those three because we don't want to get too long or too complex. I okay. think that's great. So what have you said to yourself tomorrow morning? I have a great life. I have a clean slate. And great things are going to happen to me today. How would you feel as you were getting out of that bed? I was so excited to get started. Yes, exactly. And so I think that's where it starts. It starts in the morning as you start your day. And then I think we have to do what we call in the book, mindset resets. Because okay. you might have a really difficult call with your mom. And you may get off that call. And I'm not throwing the mamas under the bus. I am one. But, you know, sometimes mamas, like, you tell them what's going on with you. And all you want is poor baby. And instead, they tell you three ways you could fix it. And then you kind of feel bad that you, you're you not doing enough to fix whatever the problem is. I don't know. I, some people have those kind of mamas. I don't know. <laughs> but if you have that, you may come out of that call thinking, I'm not doing enough. I could be doing more. And then, again... You're going to have to reset your mindset because is that going to make you feel joyful? No, not if you're feeling that way. No. So then again, I would ask you, what could you think to reset your mindset in that moment to feel joyful again? And so I'm answering that question. Yeah, go for it. I, go for it. Well, maybe I would just say, um, I would repeat myself. You know what? My mom has a perspective. God bless her. I have a great life. I'm doing well. There you go. And so that's the reset of the mindset. And, and the research says we think about 70,000 thoughts a day. Now, my husband says I think 100,000 and he thinks about 30. But um, and I don't know, maybe that's true. Maybe that's the average and the men are kind of on the low side of that. The women are on the higher. And we make about 30,000 decisions a day. Yeah. And we're not even conscious of this. So the more we become conscious of these things that hit us emotionally and we reset our mindset and we can. I talk a lot of times, just like you'd work a muscle until it gets strong mm -hmm. and you can't see me guys, but I'm kind of like pretending to pump iron here at listeners. Um, just like that, you would, you would retrain your brain. And if you did this on a daily basis, cause I have some clients, you know, they'll, we'll work on this and this is called cognitive behavioral therapy and counseling, but yes. in scripture, it's called renewing the mind. It's mm -hmm. from Romans 12 too. Yeah. It's also from our verse that we use for the book was Proverbs 4.23. It says, be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. So over time, if we keep adding these negative thoughts on top of negative thoughts, it's going to impact our sense of self. It's going to impact how helpless or hopeful we feel. Mm -hmm. And so if we begin to reset that, you know, you're not going to come back the next week to a counselor and go freedom. Like it's just amazingly better you're going to make a small step towards a freedom that you will feel tremendously over time as you are intentional about retraining your brain. Yeah. Amen. And, you know, think our thinking is a series of habits as well. We definitely have thinking habits. So when this happens, I automatically go to this belief or my brain is it likes its comfortable place, which might be, I'm a victim. Everybody's against me. So when we're doing this cognitive behavioral therapy, or we're doing this reset for our mind, you got to want to change your mindset. A lot of people say they, they find some reward in staying stuck in a mindset of being unhappy or, or feeling low or feeling hopeless and don't want to grab onto hope. What would you say to that? 
Well, I, and we cover the victim mindset. We even talk about what we call in therapy, the victim triangle, triangle, where we get into a lot of dynamics of victim, rescuer, perpetrator. So we become all of those as we move in that drama. I call it the drama triangle. But I think we can break out of that. And I really think the average person wants to break out of that. They just don't always know how. And sometimes they're in relationships that reinforce those models. Mm -hmm. So that's something sometimes we have to look at. And that's why I'm saying we wrote this book and we believe there's a lot of freedom in this. And, and we all know that what we think affects how we feel and what we do, but that's why counseling is so much more effective sometimes than hearing a speaker or reading a book, because it's gotta be something you put into practice. We have a sign in our offices that says the other six days, 23 hours, because how much progress you're going to make in therapy doesn't have to do. It's kind of like church one out of, you know, 168, you it's better than nothing for sure. Right. But to really create life change, just like my nutritionist is talking to me, you're going to think about every meal you eat. You're not going to be on autopilot. If you're going to want to reduce the weight you've gained, I've gained some weight from having these hip replacements, just like that. If you're going to change out of that victim mindset, which you didn't ask for, and you didn't want to be in. Most people who have a victim mindset, it comes from either experiencing poverty, it comes from experiencing some type of discrimination, or it comes from trauma, abuse or a rape or, or, or a really like abusive relationship or something like that, where you can see a person change by being conditioned. But you can also break free of that, but it's going to take, and that's why we talk about in the book, so many different tools. Like one tool, it's going to take a support. You're going to need to surround yourself with people who are going to reinforce that God is powerful and that God is working in and through you. And a lot of times when somebody's in a victim mindset, I help them use these words. They'll say, I can't do that. And I'm like, what about if we put in front of that with God's help? Mm -hmm. With God's help, could you do it? And they're like, yeah. So it's kind of learning to retrain your brain by tapping into that power source. Maybe you're a mom and you're struggling with postpartum depression today. And so maybe you wake up in the morning and your body doesn't want to do anything, but you can begin to think with God's help, I can get up and take care of these babies. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you're like me and you're older and you're experiencing some chronic pain. And so I don't want to sit in that in a victim state. So with God's help, and he really helped me. One of the doctors I found, I literally was pulling out of where I'd gotten my MRI. And I thought, my doctor is not helping me. He doesn't seem to want to. And my doctor was a surgeon. He doesn't really do what I needed. I literally drove by and went, there was a new doctor in my area that had opened a like sports rehab clinic. I walked in there and said, I know this is crazy, but I live in the area. I just picked up this MRI. I'm working with a surgeon all the way down in Dallas. Would you have an appointment available anytime this week? And the doctor, have, my voice is a little loud. It carries. He happened to hear my voice. He came out and said, I can squeeze her in. I'll, I'll get her in. So I, and I told them, you know, I have speaking engagement. I wasn't probably going to be able to travel and do it. And I just am kind of sitting in this holding pattern. And he's the one who started me on this journey with injections that are actually healing my knee. And so sometimes God's faithfulness comes through. You just wake up and you feel better. Sometimes it comes through as you join with him. Yes. Beginning to discover it may not, it may come through additional help and support. 
And so I think it takes that help too. And that's where the body of Christ comes in. I think we need each other to be encouragers of one another to help us create this change in our lives. Mm -hmm. That's so, so powerful. I just love what you're saying. And if anyone is struggling that happens to be listening to this podcast right now and you want that change, it's available to you. And I I agree with what you're saying. Like we get isolated in our problems and sometimes in our mindset and we withdraw. But really, if we can, with God's help, enter back into community, reach out to someone, tell someone what we're experiencing, that maybe the world for you has become scary. Maybe it was always safe to you. But now in this last few months, you feel very unsure very insecure about what your future is. And it's triggering that series of anxiety that's then maybe dumping into depression. Reach out and get some help, right? Talk to someone, get the body of Christ going, get confide in someone professional, get your book and read it. What is your book? What are some of the solutions the Counselor's Corner provides in overcoming some of this overwhelming worry? Well, some of it is beginning to try to retrain your brain to begin that process. Some of it is about creating community, identifying someone you can reach out to. I work a lot with clients on that. A lot of them have been through, I work with a lot of women who are in their forties and fifties and they don't have the play group anymore and their kids are graduating and they don't ha have the school moms that they saw before at drop off and pick up if they're working and it's crazy or the activity or they're not sitting at a football game anymore with other parents or anything. And so there are times in our lives and seasons and transition where it's kind of like we have to do the whole social skill play group playground experience all over again of, you go to a, maybe a large women's Bible study and you sit next to someone and you think she's not that scary. And so you say to her, hey, you know, would you like to have coffee sometime? Could I get your phone number? And maybe you and she don't match that well. And that's OK. And so then you ask the next woman that you see out somewhere and you you do it again. And as I work with clients and I have both counseling clients and I have I, I'm, in fact, I'm going to be at a conference this weekend here in Dallas um, with the International Christian Council Coaching Institute, training therapists to become coaches, because sometimes I have clients who they're not struggling clinically. They're not depressed or anxious, but they want to have a better life. And maybe like they are hitting retirement and they need more friends or they're hitting retirement and they want to get that house organized for the first time, but they don't feel like they have the energy to do that. Mm -hmm. I work with a lot of clients who have ADHD tendencies and things like that, a little bit scattered. I think they relate well to me. I, I would, I would own some of that. Dr. Amen has scanned my brain and I definitely have some of those symptoms. Okay. So I relate well and I have some of those coping skills. So sometimes it is about connection. Sometimes it is also, and I talk about this in the book, it's about addressing your physical health. If you're not moving, like this has been a really hard season for me because with my knee injury, I can't move. And there's this thing for that we use for trauma called EMDR. Mm -hmm. It's eye movement reprocessing and desensitization. Do you know how it was created? By walking. She walked and she realized that bilateral stimulation changes your brain. Now I'm struggling because I'm not going to be able to walk much longer with this joint stuff, but mm -hmm. biking kind of gives you that bilateral stimulation. You could walk in a pool. That's what I'm kind of learning to do. An elliptical. There's other ways to kind of begin to get that. And so when we move, we create in our body. In fact, the research says, and this is one of the things I talked about in the depression section, I think, um, 
sometimes I forget where I put the tool, you know, in the chapter. But in the counselor's corner, I talk about the fact that if you will move 20 to 30 minutes a day, three to five times a week, you got to get the heart rate up mm-hmm. on the baseline. So like for me, it's about 125 beats a minute to get my heart rate where Fitbit will count it or where it's really moving enough. It's going to build serotonin and GABA and dopamine in my body. And that's going to make my brain work better. That's going to make you feel better. Yes. And so the research says it's as effective as a low dose of an antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication. So that's one thing that I do with my clients, which is a little unusual. Not all therapists will do this. But if I have somebody who's not moving at all or needs more movement, you know, sometimes I've got that busy mom and or like the the career executive. And she it's hard. Her day starts at 7 a.m. and it ends at 7 p.m. a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And she's exhausted. It's hard to find that time. I tell them, bring your tennis shoes. We will walk during your therapy session. It's right. good for me. It's good ah. for you. And, and you know what they always say when they're done, Don? I feel they're so like, much better. Yes, you got it. I feel <laughs> so much better. I don't know why I don't do this more often. And so it's just sometimes it's taking that time to get that buy-in of being able to do that. And that's where it is easier. It's easier for me to organize part of my house if somebody's alongside me. It's easier for my clients to walk if I'm with them. And some of them don't have a neighbor nearby who's going to walk with them. I, I I checked in with my mom. My mom is, um, is she 75? I think she turned 75 this year. And she was out walking. She lives in a little like community now um, in, in like this little bitty town where they could afford a like house uh, because my parents were missionaries. They just, my dad was with Mission Aviation Fellowship and their last, um, I think they were, I don't know if they were in Russia or in Kazakhstan lots, but they came back into the country. And so my mom, I checked on her today and sure enough, my mom is 75 years old. She's walking with one of the neighbors, even though the road's uneven, you know, it makes her more nervous now. And I'm like, mom, it's so good for you. It's so good for your joints. Keep doing it. But that's so good for her mental health because she's getting companionship. Sometimes they talk about spiritual things in the midst of that, which is helpful. Sometimes they pray together and then she's walking and that's going to make her feel better. And also long-term, it's going to keep those joints moving and you're going to have less physical pain. So this really, this is what I try to explain to people. Mental health is health, although it's spiritual health, it's emotional health, it's physical health. And so what we work on in our counseling office with people is a holistic treatment plan that is going to get you. And and this is the other thing. Some of you may be listening to me now and Dawn, you may be listening to me and going, this is a lot. Like who can, I don't have the energy to barely get out of bed. How am I going to do this? Yeah, no, I'm with you, but I understand what you're saying. Yes. I felt that way when I was in knee pain, but here's what I said to myself. The same thing I say to my clients, small changes often. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm just going to do three things today to make myself feel better. So I thought I'm going to do my physical therapy exercises. I'm going to put ice on my knee. And for me, I don't know why, but because I'm, I think because I'm a mom, I've got a 12 and a 15 year old. I, I couldn't even drive them to school. Like the driving caused too much pain. My husband had kind of picked that up. I thought I'm going to pick up the kitchen and get myself breakfast and just being able to do that little thing, you know, and knowing because my daughter and my son's chores are the kitchen. So it's kind of like a gift I could give to them. They're real busy right now. It's homecoming week here in Texas. And so I just thought if I could do that for them, that would make me feel better because I like to serve them. And I miss that as a mom. I'm going to get a little weepy. I mean, when you're not being able to do something you love to do for people you love, it's very discouraging. 
And so being able to do that made me feel better. And that's what I ask my clients a lot. When they leave the very first session, as, as they leave, because I want people working, not, I mean, I want you to come in and vomit all your stuff up because a lot of people won't tell it to anybody else because they've been burned that way. A lot of women have been burned by other women. And so a lot of times what I ask them to do is what is one small thing you could do for yourself? And I'll ask you this as you're listening to the podcast. What's one small thing you could do for yourself this week that would bring you closer to God, that would make you feel better, that would help your thinking, that would make an impact in a relationship maybe that you have that you're struggling with? What's the one small thing you could do? Maybe it is pick up the phone and call your pastor or counselor. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's taking a break. If you, if you're kind of living in a toxic environment and maybe spending the night in a hotel and kind of spending some time reading about reading your Bible and listening to worship music and just kind of resetting your brain. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's signing up for that women's retreat at your church where you're going to know no one, but at the end of that retreat, you're going to have a lot of new friends. Yes. Maybe it's as simple as just getting out of bed and doing one or two things like it was for me when I was in pain. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of just the simplicity because sometimes we give ourselves goals that are too, too much and mammoth. And then we feel discouraged because we didn't get it done. Sometimes for me, it's just setting the water bottle out at night or laying the yoga mat out. Maybe I didn't do yoga today, or maybe I didn't drink as much water as I wanted to, but I took the baby step of saying, this is my intention. I'm going to move the needle just a little bit. I'm going to put my tennis shoes on and taking those small steps, but doing something then that is so ridiculously easy that you go through your day feeling better about yourself than feeling discouraged about yourself or negative about yourself. But when it's all said and done, doing one little baby step, or like you said, some, a couple of things, right. That at least we say, I made myself a priority today. I did something for me that will improve me that is going to empower me i may not see the results that fast but over time consistency doing the right thing day after day after day i'm going to reap some great results and i'm going to feel empowered my mindset is going to come come up a few levels instead of feeling hopeless and helpless i'm i'm going to find some self esteem through that You are. And here's the thing. It is. It's kind of like when you do those things, it helps your mindset. But here's how to help it more. And this is one of the tools in the book. You know, in scripture, we see over and over again that people celebrated and Jesus celebrated and the disciples celebrated. They created this. And so a lot of times what I encourage women in my office, especially to do or anyone who's struggling, even in the real world, when I'm out speaking to women's groups, I'm like, we need to celebrate progress. And so we do this in our office all the time. I really say, I have clients who said, who will be like, oh, I'm really still struggling a little, da, 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 da. I'm like, a little, look at the progress you made. When you came in this office, you were miserable, miserable. And look at you today, you are struggling a little. And then she takes a look back and goes, oh yeah, I I really, I mean, my life is different today. And so sometimes we, we are so busy looking at what's wrong. We don't look at what's right. And that changes our brain too. to begin. I'm always working with that. If you are that person who's raising the bar and struggles with perfectionism, celebrating what like I celebrated the fact that I did. I mean, that's a that wouldn't even be something I think about on a regular day. 
But with that knee pain, getting out of bed and doing my physical therapy exercises, they are a tenth of what I used to do in Pilates. But I still celebrated that because for me in that moment, yes, it was, it was effort, it was intention, and it was progress. Absolutely. And we want to praise the effort. We want to celebrate the effort. And what do you do, though, for celebration? Because I think the, the reward and the celebration we, we have to be uh, sensitive to that because I've seen people awaken their sugar addiction again because they celebrate it with a piece of chocolate or they wake up their, their shopping addiction because they treated themselves. So what's a good way to celebrate? Can you just look in the mirror and say, you rocked it. Good job. High five. Or does it have to be more complicated than that? No, that is the most important thing is, you know, I think about scriptures that say things like, well done, good and faithful servant and things like that. A lot of us, our love language is words of affirmation or something like that. And we're trying to get rid of our toxic negative thoughts. So even to just say that was good because it scripture talks about don't go, don't grow weary in doing good. So one of the ways not to grow weary in that is to celebrate the good. And then also we can use gratitude. That's one of the tools. I don't know if I put it in this book. We have a study guide coming out for this book. So women can do this in groups. Yeah. It's going to be released November 15th. I think they just, they just told us the date like this week on Amazon for Amazon. And so um, in one of the two books, I talk about just taking a moment to even say, God, thank you. Like for me, thank you today that I can move better than I did yesterday. God, thank you that even though our grocery bill is higher, I can feed my kids today. A third of our country is struggling with feeding mm -hmm. their kids. Mm -hmm. God, I thank you today that while the counseling center budget is smaller than it's ever been, we're still helping people every day in our offices. And so it's a lot of times beginning to also, I know that's just almost been overdone it, but we're ignoring it. I feel like that attitude of gratitude that really helped me during COVID mm -hmm. because even though I was stuck in this house, my, I mean, my husband and I almost had to have, he's like, it's a good thing I'm married to a marriage therapist. We had not lived together all the time in a home for 15 years. He had been on the road four days a week. Yeah. And all of a sudden he is upstairs in my house, in my business going, um, he's taking the kids and I'm like rearranging my schedule. And I'm like, if I'd have known you were going to do that, I wouldn't have rearranged my schedule, dude. You know, we're having all these communication things going on in our house. Um, but, but then I realized I could either be frustrated or I could be grateful that for the first time in my life as a mom, I've got help on a daily basis in my house. And, and I also get more time with my husband and, and we kind of figured out the other day, our kids were gone to a football game. My youngest is now in junior high and they were both gone on the same day. I have one that's a real house buddy, so he doesn't leave a lot. And my husband's like, we hung out at the house that night. He's like, this isn't too bad. I'm like, this could be good. I'm surprised, but this was kind of fun. And so again, it's celebrating. We even celebrated, hey, we, we, we like being together and our kids are gone. You know, just those little things of being grateful for them. We didn't have to pay a babysitter, you know, to be together alone. All those things. I think it's just beginning to think of what what can you be grateful for today? I, I, I think after this experience I've had, and I don't know, I think God's like taught me this lesson like four times, but obviously I still need to learn it. I'm just grateful on days I wake up pain-free and I can be a little productive. Yeah. That's yeah. something I just took for granted 
Right. I, I always laugh. People in their 20s. I just so took that for granted. I didn't even think about it back then. Yeah, sometimes life just comes down to the very basics, doesn't it? Like I I took breath in my lungs today. I lived today without pain. And when we're grateful for all of those things, grateful for the small things. I'm grateful for my eyes today that I can see. I am actually grateful that I have a sense of smell because during COVID, I lost it. Many people didn't get theirs back. I'm grateful that I can smell this amazing coffee this morning. I'm just grateful, God, for how you've taken care of me. I'm grateful that I got to spend COVID in a beautiful environment atmosphere. I got really big windows in my house. So reframing and, and making sure that our perspective is in alignment with truth and God's word is just such a powerful safeguard for mental health, emotional health, physical health. What are you hoping? So make up your mind, an amazing book. I can't wait to get my own copy of it. I'm going to order it right. Oh, yeah, it yeah, or we'll send, you know what? We can send one to give away to a listener too, if you want to. So yeah, definitely email me and I'll get my assistant to send something okay. out. Okay, we will yeah, do that. Yes. What is I didn't one takeaway that you're hoping that, you know, the, what, the main thing that you hope readers will just leave with after they've read your book, many things, but does one come to mind? Yeah. I think the main thing is, is no matter where you are today, you don't have to stay in that place that God is for you and, and with him and, and, and your decision to do something a little different tomorrow you could begin to move into a different place. You, this is what I talk about a lot in our office. It's a psychological idea of it's called locus of control. Your external may not change, but you and God have complete control, the Holy Spirit working in you on your internal and that you could have more peace. You could have more joy. You could have more hope. You could experience more love because you don't even need a human for that. I was single for a long time. You can experience that through the power and the grace of God. But it does take a little movement on your part. You, you know, that is the thing that a lot of people, uh, sometimes I'm around, will be like, Lord, I just want you to rescue me. I felt that way. Lord, just get rid of this knee pain. I had to go get the MRI. I had to go find the doctor. God joins with us in the movement of our humanity to heal us, to free us, to make us better. And sometimes it means, as Renee Brown talks about in her research, being vulnerable enough, even if we're very private people, to talk to someone and say, this is my struggle. Because when we do that, we bring the light the and light. love of God and others into the darkness mm -hmm. that we're currently experiencing. Yeah. Ah, this is so good. I could talk to you forever. <laughs> I would love it. It'd be fun, but probably not. Oh. But it's powerful and, and you have such a way about you, the way that you're delivering this truth and the way that you're speaking it. I can tell that you live it, Michelle, because it's just radiating from you. And hopefully many of you will see this because we do have our Arise Esther YouTube channel. But if you're just listening, trust me when I tell you that she's just glowing. And the reason why I bring that to you, those of you who are listening, is because this woman is sitting in pain, maybe facing knee replacement, and yet a powerful mindset that says I can do all things through Christ, who's my strength and facing each day with joy. This is not just for a select few y'all. This is for every person who will apply themselves to these principles. Get the book, make up your mind. 
it's available. You'll see the link and all those things in the show notes. But um, Michelle Niedert, you've got to get her book. And Denise Pass, author, we want to give her props too. Thank you, Denise, for having that vision to write the book. And I'm going to leave. She does a really deep dive into the Bible. She is a theologian. She's working on a doctorate in theology. If you are a Bible geek, you are going to, I have, a, I, I, I've been to seminary. I talk more about the mental health, but I, I mean, you know, I've had systematic one, two, and three. If you're that Bible geek who loves that deep, deep depth, she brings that to the table. She's yeah. your girl. Okay. Yeah. So there yeah. you guys are. You're a, a, the dynamic duo. Power. There we go. <laughs> Thank you once again for being with me today, Michelle, and for all that you bring. And for all you are listening today, I have a question for you. Modern day Esther's, is this your moment to arise? I hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. And hey, if you've not done so yet, why don't you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss another episode. Or you can visit us at ariseester.com. And while you're there, make sure you join the movement. Visit us today to get connected. For more information about me, Dawn Damon, visit dawndamon.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for a free breakthrough strategy session. Until we meet again, keep rising. This is your moment.